Are you good with people? Maybe you're organized or have a knack for numbers. Well, then chances are you've got skills that could lead to a new career. A Google Career Certificate can help you get a foot in the door with top employers in fast-growing fields like IT support, project management, data analytics, and user experience design. It's professional-level training developed and taught by Google employees. And it's all online so you can learn around your schedule. Put your skills to work. Go to grow.google certificates. Faster my crazy day, my packed commute, all those unread emails in my inbox. But I'm getting stronger, faster, and pushing myself further every day. I don't care if I'm not like everyone else. This punching bag is the best way to end my day. <laughs> Fearless is knowing yoga isn't your style. That's the power of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Federal Employee Program. Learn more about our healthy benefits at fepblue.org slash get more. Westwood One presents The Polsters. The Polsters. And now, Margie and Kristen. Hi, and welcome to The Polsters. I'm Margie O'Mara, Democratic pollster with PSB Research. And I'm Kristen Soltis-Anderson, Republican pollster with Echelon Insights. And each week we bring you the polls, driving the latest news in politics, tech, and pop culture. So we've had a fun week. Kristen and I were on the road last week. We're getting out and about spring, but political climate's still a little scratchy, or maybe there's another word for it. Oh, Polster's Dance Party. I'm so excited. Yeah. It's not looking good out there. It's looking toxic. This week's top lines, we will take a look at what people think about the toxic relationship between Donald Trump and the media, and also whether or not the toxic environment in Washington will prevent the government from even staying open this spring. We'll also talk a little bit about whether Aka, Aka. <laughs> <laughs> the the AHCA, whether yep. zombie AHCA will be back on the table. Um, and we'll talk a little bit about the hashtag resistance, which you may have seen immortalized in a Pepsi ad yep. <laughs> this week. We'll talk about it. And finally, the Time 100 list. We'll talk a little bit about who folks think are the most pr- prominent and influential folks this year. Is that how we're defining that list? I don't, if you look at that list, it's not really clear. Everyone's working with the same definition. Well, everybody buckle up for the end of the episode. <laughs> maybe you're on the time when You could be. You could be. But first we have the poll of the week or maybe polls of the week. Um, Ariana Huffington of – World Renown tweeted out, and she has been an early, I, even though Polster was at Buffington Post, obviously still is, um, at, when she was there. But before that, in an earlier iteration of Ariana Huffington, there was, she had a campaign for people to not participate in polling. So I thought it was interesting that she tweeted out that people no longer trust the polls. It seemed like one of our many peak pollster moments. That we polls went, on polls. <laughs> we love polls on polls. Which, um, if there was going to be one question where you would have massive amounts of potential non-response bias, wouldn't it be on a question about trusting the polls? Mm, maybe. Because if you really don't trust the polls enough to where you don't even want to talk to a pollster, then you're not being captured in this. Kylie, we know you're going to be listening. Please think of, a, of an experiment. Maybe we can find a way to test that out. But <laughs> How can we poll the unpollables? Yes, the unpollables, exactly. It doesn't quite roll off the tongue, not quite as insulting. Um, and <laughs> we see here from this poll that most people, are about over half, about 60%, say that they can't really trust the polls 
at all, either not very much or not at all. And there is actually quite a partisan breakout here with Republicans far more likely to say they don't trust the polls than to trust them, while do Democrats are them, evenly divided between trust and not trust. Do they the find them deplora poll? Oh, God. <laughs> oh, that was hideous. We just lost half our listeners. No, that was pretty funny, actually. <laughs> <laughs> that was so terrible. Um, that was pretty funny. I mean, it is, it is interesting that Democrats are divided on trust of the polls, given that Democrats were, I mean, every, lots of people were surprised by the outcome in November, but Democrats were more saddened by that outcome and by feeling like they didn't know uh, they the didn't they didn't let us they didn't feel that, that the polls prepared them for what was going to happen. Um, but yet, uh, d- Democrats are divided between trusting the polls and not trusting in the polls. Very interesting. Big party divide. That's from Huffington Post pollster. We'll link to it as always. Here's a question. I'm going to poll you right now. Where would you put yourself on this question? Because I would not put myself in a great deal. I would say a good amount because there's a, I would public, say a good amount. public opinion polls. That's everything. And we look, we see a lot. And, you know, and we try to sift the good stuff from the garbage on this show. Right. But that includes an acknowledgement that there is garbage. Right. And you can't always tell if it's garbage, honestly, if, where we sit. Um, That's you know, true. We're not looking at all your data sets before we do these shows, folks. I know somebody, some very nice person tweeted that we're, we don't prepare enough. We don't look at everybody's full <laughs> raw data file. No, that's true. <laughs> you are correct. I got stuff to do, man. <laughs> we got stuff to do. We got Pepsi tweets to look at. Pepsi tweets. I got Zelda to play. Yeah, we got, we got stuff got, to, do. to do. <laughs> But, you know, so relatedly, Pew came out with a poll on the shy Trumper phenomenon, which, as you know, people have been talking about for a while as an explanation. Potentially, I've heard like two or three people talk about this within the last couple of days. And I, were people talking about this at the Harvard Analytics thing? Yes. So I moderated a panel at the Harvard Analytics uh, uh conference last Friday and someone on my panel, Danny Diaz, I don't mean to call him out, but I don't know if he listens to the show, said, you know, I don't think people would say that they voted for Trump. I think that's an issue. And I said, well, actually, Pew just came out with a poll like three hours ago. So I know nobody here has seen it yet, but everyone should take a look at showing that they tested a variety of different dimensions and that there wasn't a mode effect. They assigned people to a mode online or phone. So the fact that you would prefer on online or prefer phone wasn't a factor, um, or if you were easier to reach in one of the others wasn't a, a factor, and they didn't see a difference by mode in views toward Trump, like opinions toward Trump, like favorability or job approval, whether you think he's a strong leader or trustworthy, no difference there. Now they they are not using this to make a conclusion about the 2016 polls. That's just where it is right now, because you can argue that it is now more acceptable to say you voted for Trump? I'm yeah. saying that and I'm I'm questioning it maybe. as the words are coming out of my mouth. Yeah, maybe. Well, the one thing, and not to go after Danny on this, but is there any evidence that in the Republican primary, the polls were missing Trump's vote share? I mean, the polls pretty consistently showed Trump was going to win the Republican primary, right? Yeah, I think he was talking though more about 20, the general. Though. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, and, and, you know, and someone brought it up. I was at lunch today. Someone brought it up. So, and this is a common refrain that people, it's a theory that people have that people, you know, don't want to say that they voted for Trump. And that's why the polls, you know, pointed one direction. But here's what they did find, though a slight, not 
massive, but, you know, something to look at or think about mode effect among Republicans on some issues. So not on Trump approval rating, no, but on things like immigration, border wall, those kinds of questions, there was a little bit of a mode effect among Republicans. So that's not this kind of massive online versus phone, you know, turf battle that um, that people have been talking about. Um, but it is, I think, worth taking a look at just to know that size and also think about whether or not and also to just challenge that perception that this is simply about people being nervous about saying they voted for Trump. Now, of course, this does not include people who have dropped out of taking polls altogether. Right. Again, you can't it's hard to you can't know the unknowable, you can't poll the unpollable. Right. So there's a possibility that there are a whole bunch of people out there that like Donald Trump that are just not being polled. But I don't uh, it would surprise me if it was happening in such great scale that we were because because even if you think about the polls that were off in 2016, they were off in large part because the undecideds broke in a way that wasn't expected. But you also had some polls that got it just right. So I still remain skeptical that huge volumes of Trump voters are just not taking polls at all. But it is a somewhat unknowable thing. Right. Right. Well, we'll hear more because APOR is going to have their report in May. And there, you know, there are more folks who are, you know, looking into this. And I think we're going to continue to see some of that information come out. But I think this Pew poll is very useful as a, if you can't wait till then, you need to have this conversation right now, which lots of us do, then look to this Pew poll because it does provide a little bit of context. So enough of that methodology stuff. Um, there, is you know new polling on Trump, of course, and you know I don't think it looks so good yet. I think it's still not yeah, looking John so Google's great. Still looking bad, like it was last week. Forty-one yeah. percent approve is the uh, Huffington Post pollster average as of press time. So still, still not in great shape. Um, and there's some new polling out from Pew on the relationship between Trump and the media. Of course, there is this. Notion that I have seen a lot of recently, which is, you know, Republicans being frustrated with the media. That's nothing new. But this idea that, like, even headlines on stories are crafted in such a way as to be unfair to Trump. But, of course, he loves the fight. Trump loves fighting with the media. And so there's new polling on whether or not the relationship between Trump and the media is healthy or unhealthy. Right. Where you're like, oh, you guys just always like to fight, you know. <laughs> You guys are just constantly fighting. percent <laughs> of U.S. adults, according to the Pew Research Center, think the relationship between Trump and the media is generally unhealthy. And 73% say that the tensions between Trump and the media are getting in the way of Americans' access to important political news. And interestingly, there's we have found a question where there is no partisan difference. I know. Can you believe this? We haven't seen – you could not ask people if the sky was blue and get identical answers across the parties. The, and yet on this question, you do. The only thing where we see partisan agreement is any kind of question about like toxicity or the government's a disaster. Is everything bad? Sometimes Can I we, think campaign doing, finance reform you find. Right. Universal background checks for guns. Right. But if in terms of like big picture yeah. things, this is like the big picture thing that there is constant agreement, which is things are unpleasant. So on this question of are the tensions between Trump and the media getting in the way of Americans' access to important political news? There is almost no difference 
by race and almost no difference by party. Republicans, 73 percent, say the tensions are getting in the way of our ability to get news. 72 percent for Democrats, 72 percent for independents. And across racial uh, divides, 74 percent of whites, 74 percent of blacks, 75 percent of Hispanics. This is not a partisan. This is not a racial divide. It barely has anything to do with income. Middle income folks slightly more likely to think this at 77 percent. But I mean, these are just teeny little changes. Yeah. It is frankly frankly astonishing to me. We have not seen a chart like this on this show in a long time. No. I mean, there aren't that many things where you see such widespread agreement. Um you know, across party lines or just even these strong numbers overall. And, you know, it's not that people aren't hearing about it. So while people may say it's unhealthy and it's getting in the way of their access to news, you have a lot who say they're actually hearing quite a bit about this relationship between the news media and Trump. And it may be um, that the fact that they're hearing so much about it, that that's the reason that it's getting in the way of access to other news, because all they're hearing about or the perception is that they're hearing a lot about the, the conflict than about whatever else the conflict is. Although people may hear conflict when actually there's some real news in there. There's actually news about, you know, the you know procedures and norms that are not being followed or, you know, things that are being closed off to the press or, you know, staff that hasn't been hired or what have you, um, changes in who sits where and who does what um, and so on. But here, this is, again, still Pew, almost three quarters say they've heard a lot about the state of the relationship between media and Trump and another quarter say a little. So, you know, just about everybody said they've heard, you know, quite something. You know, they've heard more than nothing. I mean, no, you know, it's hard to escape, obviously. And we know that, but this is now polling that shows, you know, we know that from our own lives, it's hard to escape, but it's true for the rest of Americans too. Right. And uh, there was a, a whole article this week about how CNN and Jeff Zucker at CNN, the sort of back and forth between him and Donald Trump and their long-term relationship, because I believe he was involved in The Apprentice. And so, Donald Trump's sort of strange relationship with the media. This is not a presidential campaign phenomenon. This goes back to the beginning of his time in the spotlight. Art of the deal. Again, if if you can handle it, I highly recommend it. It's actually a really interesting read, especially now that we know that he did not really write it at all. So it's actually a very engaging read, but it is it has all of the things in it that you will see Donald Trump do over the course of the next few decades to try to manipulate the media and often succeed in doing so. Yeah. It's fascinating. Yeah. Well, I, you know, that he may be successful at that. Is it leading to strong ratings in the polls or successes legislatively? That's where it's a little bit more mixed. Um, there's a recent poll. I think this is Quinnipiac, but I think I mean or McClatchy, I think. Um, and I was going to say those don't look like Quinnipiac. No, they're not tabs. Quinnipiac. They, I think they're, Mac, I think they're McClatchy. <laughs> I know the font. I can tell polls I know. by their font. I know we can. T- I know, right? But now I feel like a little bit. But maybe it's yeah. I'm not quite sure. We're going to get dinged on. We're going to somebody to like. It's obviously not that. So, um, uh, but this was on who on the ratings that people give Trump. So this is a, just a different scale of of you know instead of approval or disapproval or favorability. Uh, he's approaching his first 100 days as president. What grade would you give him? And a plurality, 32%, about a third, would give him an F. Um, only 15% would give him an A. So he gets – Even the plurality of Republicans give him a B. 
41% of Republicans give Trump a B for yeah. his first his first hundred days. Yeah. So he doesn't even have like a really, really strong honeymoon with Republicans. Although, I mean, obviously, let's be let's be clear. I mean, a majority for sure of Republicans are giving him an A or a B still. Um, and even a plurality of independents, about a third of independents give him an F. Well, so that's what people are thinking about 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. Now let's talk a little bit about what is happening at the other end of Pennsylvania Avenue down at the Capitol. Uh, where you had recently, uh, toward, not last week, but the week before, you had the uh, demise of the AHCA. And now you have Congress beginning to try to think about tackling tax reform at the same time as uh, a potential government shutdown looming. Yes, you heard that right, listeners. Republicans control the Senate. Republicans control the House. Republicans control the White House. And yet – Close that thing down. The government <laughs> might shut down for Wait a lack second. of agreement on a government spending bill uh, toward the end of the month. So get excited, everybody. So the, uh, Politico and Morning Consult have done a little bit of polling on government shutdown. Um, what people think uh, – so there are some folks that are have sort of posited, or at least last time around posited, that, look, allowing the shutdown is good – because if we allow a shutdown, then we're taking a tough stand on a policy thing that matters to us. So back last time around, it was Ted Cruz and company taking a stand on the Affordable Care Act. They would not vote for any funding bill that funded the Affordable Care Act. That right. was like their line in the sand, right? Yeah. And so this and, – and there were other things involved in it about spending cuts and, you know, a dollar of tax cuts for every dollar of spending cuts or one for one or what have you or increases. How do you make it all work? Well, one year was, was the lot. debt ceiling. There was one year it was over the debt ceiling. That's so that right. was a different time. Um, so there are lots of, lots of reasons why we've had these sort of brinksmanship moments. Um and so in this poll question from Politico and Morning Consult, they say, which comes closest to your view, even if neither is exactly right? Members of Congress should allow a temporary government shutdown if it helps them achieve their policy goals, or members of Congress should take all necessary steps to avoid a government shutdown and should achieve their policy goals another way. By 17 to 65, people prefer the latter. <laughs> people greatly prefer not using government shutdowns as ways to achieve policy ends. Uh, and even among Republicans, only 22 percent think, yes, shut down the government if it helps you achieve policy ends. 62 percent say you should achieve your goals another way. I am very interested in seeing if the government shuts down – who people would hold responsible. And I don't mean party-wise because, right. I mean, I I assume you would find a slice of Republicans blaming Democrats even though they don't right. control anything. But th this was a uh, – I, I want to give proper credit, but I don't remember exactly who tweeted this, so I won't directly quote it. But it was somebody basically saying like, look, why are these people within the Republican Party all fighting each other? And it was this acknowledgement – they are not all in the same party. They mm. all have ours after their names, but after this whole AHCA thing, like we needed we need to dispense with the notion that they know what they're doing as a single cohesive <laughs> unit. Um and so with that we have the the pending government shutdown as well as the demise of AHCA. No, they know exactly what they're doing. They want to just, you know, burn the whole thing down even if they, you know. But that's not throw the, that's not the whole Republican that's party. True. That's what what I mean is there yeah. are some people that are like now in the look, let's just 
repair Obamacare. Let's just fix it. We're not going to get rid of it. And you have others that are like, that's crazy. We run the show. We should get rid of it. They're not all on the same page. You had the the Tuesday group is the name for the sort of moderate group. Right, right. You had the Tuesday group and the Freedom Caucus and Trump all in like a Twitter war over the last week. I know. It's really – The Twitter wars, they have begun. I know. Right? I mean even Spicer saying something different than Trump's tweets and – Yeah, but that's – I mean Donald Trump's tweets being different than the official White House line has been the way things have gone since day one. Good times. Well, (laughs) well, let's talk a little bit about the the resistance and the opposition and what they are feeling these days. Yeah. So, I mean, I think as a reaction – so I think a lot of Democrats obviously felt emboldened and relieved by uh, the fact that the Affordable Care Act – reform Mahaka um, failed, um, that that failed. You saw that for sure in this latest Kaiser poll. They're constantly tracking what's going on with um, with healthcare. They show that 87 percent of Democrats said it was a good thing that it failed. Even 40 percent of Republicans thought it was a good thing that it failed. That's kind of a lot. Remember, there were there is opposition from multiple yeah. factions. There were moderates who thought it didn't cover enough people and there were conservatives who thought it didn't get rid of enough of Obamacare. Yeah. Yep. Um, so it's really quite, and then you see they broke it out. So the people who say, was it a good thing that it failed? Then those folks are divided kind of evenly. Um, half of those folks say, well, we didn't want it repealed. And then half of those folks say, well, I was just had a concern about that particular bill. Um, and you have about a half say, they said, you know, let's, how, which one of these words and phrases describe your feelings about Congress not being able to pass this repeal and replace bill? Um, and over half said relieved was the word that described how they felt. So this is like, I guess the opposite of buyer's remorse here, like, <laughs> like losers relief, like people are relieved that this didn't happen. Um, so you even Republicans, about a quarter of Republicans said they felt relieved. Um, and you still see this. The other thing is that you still see this, you know, uh, energy on the left. Uh, there's been some polls to continue to capture how people feel about activism overall. This is from SurveyMonkey. Um, about a third have said that just in the last two months, they've you know, shared some opinions on politics on social media or they've signed petitions. About a quarter wrote that. About 17 percent say they wrote members of Congress. I mean, obviously, the people you know, round up some of the stuff, but it's still quite a bit. You know what's not on this list, Margie? What? Handing a delicious <laughs> carbonated <laughs> beverage to a law enforcement official. Oh, gosh. That's not on this list. That that ad Marching down so... the street with your cello on your back, that's oh, not on this list. That ad, I know. Handing your wig to a stranger and joining I actually them. liked the way her hair looked with the wig on. <laughs> and I liked her makeup. I was like, I'm I'm digging blonde, goth lip Kendall Jenner. Well, that's fine. But that's, you know, beside, I mean. That is the, very beside the point. Very beside. What about when she wiped her lipstick that's off? That's not how lipstick wipes off. No, I know. There I was, remember thinking I like, like, you're that's it's not. It's all over your arm now. Yeah, and like all, smudge all over your face. Um, I know. I have the you same thought. It looks like Heath Ledger's the Joker in real oh, life gosh. if you do that. Like, it, was, it was so, I, I felt about the Pepsi Twitter the way I felt about the Young Pope Twitter, which is like, <laughs> I was immediately like enjoyed it so much. Like I was immediately like, like yes, like I just want to look at Twitter for an hour and enjoy everyone's like very clever stuff. Well, at the Washington Post, um, who was it? Uh, 
who was the person at the Washington Post who was doing the like live tweeting, like second by second of the ad? Oh no, I don't know. Was oh, it... there was a reporter at the Washington Post. She's so funny. I, this is going to drive me crazy. Why I can't is remember it the Alexandra. Pet- it is not her. Then um, I don't know who it is. She's uh, the resident comedian yes, of the Post for folks who are not fantastic part of the um, Post. And but no, this was somebody else. But the, uh, as the as she was live tweeting it, like halfway through, she stopped, and you can tell that like an editor was like, "Stop tweeting this and turn it into a post." And so then she just tweets. <laughs> Stand by producing content <laughs> and then like, you know, post a link where at the Washington Post you have the like breakdown of like three seconds in cello man. He's on a roof. Oh, gosh. <laughs> he is celloing. It was so it was so good. Like everybody's reaction was just so incredible. Um, so anyway, that's not on this list. <laughs> but maybe it's because this poll was done before that ad came out. So um they took the ad out, by the way, and they said, we're sorry we put Kendall in this position. <laughs> that was part of the statement, um, which I enjoyed. Um, Conspiracy okay. theory. Sorry. Tinfoil hatting it for a moment, and then we'll move on from the Pepsi ad. Uh, it would not surprise me if this was all somewhat planned. Yeah. You know, I saw some people saying that, like, who cares? Great. Like, am know? I a Pepsi ad truther on this? Like, they're like, great, good publicity is good publicity. People no. remember that Pepsi exists. I I don't know. That just seems. I like Pepsi. We've been talking about it so much. I kind of want a Pepsi. Ugh. Um, <laughs> I guess they're not going to sponsor our no. podcast now. Sorry. I know, right? Womp, womp. <laughs> I don't think anyone Pepsi's like. <gasps> I even said nice things about Pepsi in Pe- selfie someone, vote. Someone at Pepsi's <laughs> like, oh, at this day, I'm just going to listen to the pollsters. Oh, I can't, <laughs> I can't escape it. <laughs> um, okay. So meanwhile, liberals say that they uh, they are still high in reported activism. And uh, you, you see a you know, increase in some of these um, – they expect to see an increase in the next year or two, excuse me, in, uh, in a variety of different metrics of activism, more so than um, than other groups and other party-leaning groups. So they're energized. And so whether it's things like share opinions or write members or donate money, you see over half of liberals say, yep, I'm going to do that in the next year or two. Um, well, you see more like a third or so of different kinds of Republican-leaning groups. And you see I, the, there's a huge jump here for the left on signed petitions. And I'd be interested to know, are petitions always more – is there always significantly more interest in signed petitions on the left or is this somewhat new i don't know the answer to that i mean maybe it's an age thing because so many petitions are online that that's like where so much of this is moved i don't know i mean you know i'll have to ask the the folks at change.org because they are in the online petition organizing business and so i'll have to find out from them see if i can get get so you think that that might be like a party well, yeah, I mean, I, I, it, it totally makes sense to me. Like, it surprises me that donated money has such a heavy tilt toward liberal Democrats because that's something that you see right. people across the political spectrum tending to do. Um, protested, march, demonstrated, makes sense to me that right now folks on the left much more willing and likely right. to do that than folks on the right. Um, wrote to your members of Congress. That's interesting because I assume there's not always an imbalance there party-wise, but now there is this really big surge of interest. But the petition one is one where I'm like, are conservatives ever really petition people? 
Yeah, I didn't. I just assume I they, are. they are. I just assume they always. They also I are. We'll have to dig into this. Hmm. Okay. Well, we have an additional research question for further study, <laughs> as they say. Um, and then Celinda Lake, past guest of the pollsters, along with Daily Action, one of the groups on the left that sprung up to help uh, mobilize people to take some sort of uh, daily uh, daily action through uh, text or phones. Um, so they did a poll of. The group's members, and they found that 86% of folks who responded to the poll, and they, um, it, it looks like it was a text message poll, they're overwhelmingly female. So the activists as part of Daily Action, 86% of them were women, and more than 60% of them were 46 or older. So even though it's text by phone, these are, you know, folks who are skew a, little, selfie vote. skew a little older. Um, and uh, you saw here, and obviously these are folks who are already engaged. These aren't people who are saying, yeah, I'm engaged. These are people who are known en- engaged folks. Um, three-fourths of them said that they were going to publicly protest an administration policy in the future. Um, they uh, – about half had said that they had done a woman's march. And then they asked, what concerns you most about the Trump administration? Over half said Steve Bannon and about 29 percent said Russian ties. Um, and then you had three other things, Wall Street power, immigration orders, and Betsy DeVos is sort of tied for third with single digits for each of those. So um, so that was pretty interesting. We'll link to all of that into show notes. And then the last bit was some YouGov polling on Gorsuch. We haven't seen that much polling on Gorsuch. This is before the new story about, um, you know, striking similarities between some things that Gorsuch wrote and things that written by other folks that came out in Politico today. Um, but this shows that, uh, you know, very predictable party lines on whether or not the Senate should vote to confirm Gorsuch. About two-thirds of Republicans said that the, he should be confirmed. 20% of Democrats say it should be confirmed. Pretty high, don't know, like not sure's across the mm-hmm. board. 37% say not sure. I mean, that's not really, I mean, 40% of Democrats say they're not sure. 44% of independents aren't sure. 22% of Republicans, not even that many Republicans are sure. Could this be that normally when there is a Supreme Court pick, that is like the big news story? And yet this, despite being a really big deal, is maybe the third biggest news story going on. Right. Like North Korea just launched a missile and, by the way, Russia surveillance mush. Right. And, oh, the leader of China is coming over to visit. Right. I mean, like, there's – oh, and by the way, Akka. Right, right, right. And, you know, Jared and Ivanka news of the day. Right. And then also Gorsuch. Yeah, it's possible. Um, but, you know, folks on, on the left are doing, I think, a good job trying to keep it in the news and keep it front of mind. But nonetheless, despite that, you have pretty high numbers who say they aren't sure how they feel about it. Um, they they split it up. If yeah. you said you wanted to vote to confirm, then they followed up uh, and yes, they said, I well, see. how important is this to you? And for oh, okay. Republicans Sorry, that want them to confirm Gorsuch, it's very important. This is, and this really was. People will say for Republicans who were skittish about Trump, the Supreme Court was the thing they hung on to. As well, gosh, I don't love Donald Trump, but if he's president, at least the Supreme Court. So this is a very big thing for Republicans. Meanwhile, there were not enough Republicans opposed to Gorsuch for them to even have a crosstab on that question. But for Democrats who oppose Gorsuch, that uh, forty percent. 
they are just as they're about just as intense in their their views. Right. Republicans, the Republicans who like Gorsuch are very intense, but the ones who oppose Gorsuch are very intense. Yeah, I think that would probably that might go against what the conventional wisdom would be at least entering. Well, maybe I should say this entering the hearings. Or around the election, there was this conventional wisdom that Republicans put a lot more emphasis on the Supreme Court than Democrats. Now that we're in hearing time, you hear a lot of folks on the left. There is a lot of action around trying to persuade senators from the left to uh, to vote mm-hmm. against confirming Gorsuch. Um, so it makes sense that these numbers now seem quite similar. It's maybe a little bit different than what sort of a conventional wisdom not – sort of seeing what the action is on the ground might think where the, you know, Republicans care about the Supreme Court, Democrats don't kind of trope exist. You don't really see that here in these results. I mean, that's quite interesting. Yeah. And I would say a request for any of our listeners out there who work for any media pollsters or will be putting the question into the field over the next few days, for those who are opposed to confirming Neil Gorsuch, I wonder what percentage of that is primarily that they don't like Neil Gorsuch, that there's something he stands for, there's something in his belief set that they find uh, abhorrent and they they can't stand it. And what percentage of it is like, look, it's not about him. It's that that should have been Merrick Garland's seat because those are the two different arguments that you hear coming out of the opposition. And I would be curious among the opponents which of those arguments holds the most sway, which is the more potent argument. Right. I mean, you hear, you know, ultimately you hear more people saying it's a specific issue set or, you know, or the fact that he's not talking about issues at all. I mean, that's sort of the third thing. Like we don't, you know, he's really trying to not give any, you know, give any daylight to anything that he's, you know, done or said before. There's that too. He's talking a lot about fishing and so on. Um, So let's move on to a list where lots of people have different kinds of opinions. (laughs) Any kind of opinion gets a lot of oxygen. And this is the Time 100 poll. Who should be in the Time 100? That's it. It doesn't even say exactly what they would be in the 104. Now, the Time 100, if I'm not mistaken, is that the 100 people who are making the most impact? Are they changing things? Is it kind of like in the way that the time person of the year, it's not always an honor, right? I mean, you can be the person of the year because you are making the biggest waves, not because you are necessarily the best person. It's not the Nobel Peace Prize. So on this list, so I guess it depends on what what it's really asking for, but this list includes some folks from the political sphere, uh, Justin Trudeau, 3% of votes have gone to Justin Trudeau. Our Yay. Little, the progressive <laughs> Disney Prince of the North. 3% have gone to Pope Francis. You cross that out on your bingo card. Three, 2% have gone to Vladimir Putin. 2% have gone to Rihanna. Only 2% have gone to Donald Trump, which is very interesting to me. Um, and I assume that people can only choose one. Well, so it's 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 the annual list of the most – It's the annual list of the most influential people in the world, right? That's – but then if you look at the poll online, just like it says here, who should be on the 2017 Time 100? So that's phrased a little bit differently. Angela Merkel, 2%. Sheryl Sandberg, 1%. Kellyanne Conway, 1%. Yeah, that's a heck of a Steve Bannon one percent. That's a heck of a time. Alec we got there. Baldwin one percent. Tom Brady one percent. RuPaul, 
Kim Kardashian West, 1%. I'm just reading names at this point. This is like a really <laughs> lengthy list of people getting 1%. I This list is incredible. This list is really funny. I mean, Ivanka Trump and Jimmy Kimmel tied for 0%. I mean, this is, you know, meanwhile, James Corden of um, the karaoke taxi is, you know, kind of high up there. I feel like a karaoke carpool episode of The Pollsters would be fabulous. Oh, that would be good. I think I should just be on mute, but I would be really into it nonetheless. <laughs> um, so anyway, I, uh, I'm i enjoying Trump. It, I mean, Trump made it to the top ten. That's pretty good, you know. that's not, Well, he was Times Person of the Year. Not you bad. You expect that. I actually feel like that's underperforming expectations. Yeah. Well, we shall see. We'll see if that changes, but we'll see how that goes. Uh, can he beat Vladimir Putin or not? That's one question. Um, so key findings, grade inflation. Maybe it's not really a thing given where Trump is in terms of his grades. Republicans stop trying to make a haka happen. It is not popular. And as Pepsi might say, have a resistance and a smile. (laughs) <laughs> the time 100 list is what happens when you have too many answer categories, but we love it anyway. And people may not trust the polls, but we hope you trust the pollsters. You can find us online at at K. Soltis Anderson, at Margie O'Mero, or at the pollsters, where you can tweet at us your thoughts about the show this week. Make sure you subscribe, leave a review. You can find us on Facebook, where throughout the week we'll post links to the stories that we think are most interesting. You can also find us at www.thepolsters.com with all of the links to the various polling resources that we find useful. Again, tell your friends, leave a review. We love hearing from you. Bye. Thanks. A Westwood One podcast production.